Log Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. It's another week, another Donald Trump week, all kinds of excitement, all kinds of wrong things, uh, all kinds of things that are food for thought, make you think, what the hell's my country doing? How are we living? Where, where's everything going? Are we going to survive this? Are we still going to be the United States of America, or are we going to be a different kind of country? I personally think we are heading for some sort of a revolution. Trump isn't going to back off. He keeps assembling his thugs, his Nazis, his stormtroopers. He keeps he's been doing this since day one. When he started putting together ICE, uh, taking care of ICE, building them, and then the Border Patrol, ISIS, this is going to be his Gestapo. And that's what they are. They are his Gestapo. And he, he's got to stop abusing people, doing things wrong, like sending the military, his military, not the United States military, into Portland. Uh, it's against the law, number one. He's got this stupid thing, whether they're, they're going to burn down or abuse somehow the federal building, the courthouse. Perhaps so, only because he has aggravated the people. He has taken a normal protest and turned it into some sort of got to get the federal property torn down because that's the only way he can bring troops in, as he's doing. He must. He has an obligation under the law to protect federal property, using the courthouse as an excuse. Uh, we're in bad shape, my friends. We are in very bad shape. Uh, people are going to start shooting at each other. They have already begun that on both sides in a minimal fashion. It's going to grow, and then at some point in the very near future, it is going to be totally out of hand, and people will die on both sides. And don't think that the protesters won't come up with guns. They may not have the tanks, or they may have the tanks, but they're going to have the guns. You know, I always wondered why <laughs> I was totally against the NRA. I probably still am, but I couldn't understand why everyone had to have a gun. And a lot of the people insisted they should have a gun. Their, their Second Amendment rights is because in case the government turned on them, they had, they had to protect themselves. Well, thank God they got the guns for that purpose. I don't like the nuts buy these guns and go out and shoot children. I've always been against that. But I can see now a purpose for having people have their own guns. Those who said the government turns on us, we're going to be ready. And they're going to be ready. And that's the way it's going to be. Now, what are we doing here tonight? Well, let me tell you where we're going first. We're going to Washington, D.C., then Canada, Portland, China, India, Mexico, and Great Britain. I think you may love Canada the most tonight, but I'm going to start with Washington, D.C. Because this this today... Who testified for five hours before the Congressional Committee, the Judiciary Committee of the United States Congress, William Barr, our Attorney General? The man's a liar. You can see it. I'd say about 70, 80% of what he said was a lie. He knows how, he's very articulate. He's very good. He's a very skillful attorney. He knows how to lie effectively. I'm a retired lawyer. I know lawyers. This guy's a pro. 
but you can't lie in these situations. It just doesn't work. And every time he, he speaks a lie, which he does multiple times, he, he, he's empowering Donald Trump. He's empowering himself, too. Why the hell he's doing this? I don't know. He was attorney general 30 years ago. Why he came back for this, I don't know. He should be sitting on a beach uh, enjoying the sun, you know, and lapping up the pina coladas. Uh, not doing this type thing. I, I can't understand what would have a man come back to this kind of work. It's hard work besides. But anyhow, he did not look good in my opinion. It was obvious he was lying. And something else struck me. I don't know if our country is salvageable. Because what I saw today was what I've been seeing for the last three years under Trump. And i got to be frank, it probably goes back 10 years, maybe 12 years. There was a time when there was respect between Democrats and Republicans. They were gentlemen and ladies. There weren't that many ladies at these congressional hearings. And then after work, the Republicans and Democrats used to go out and have a drink together. Some would play cards and have a couple of drinks before they went home. They stayed in Washington on the weekends. The Republicans stopped that under McConnell. They used to spend their weekends in Washington and socialize together, party with each other, Democrats, Republicans, and their spouses. No more. These are born enemies. It's obvious the way they talk to each other. And so what's Lewis saying? I don't know if we ever can get together the normal way. I think there's going to have to be some conflict to straighten things out. I really do. And I see it coming, whether I want it or not, as immaterial. It's coming because people, these protesters, will only let Trump and his cohorts defecate on them so much. Then they're going to say no more. You've been treading on me too much, Charlie. Now, Donald, it's our time. And then the war is going to start. We're going to have a conflict. There's going to be fighting. There's going to be shooting. How far is it going to go after that? I don't know. Are we going to be into a total revolution? This is the first time in my life, and I'm 85, I thought a revolution in this country was possible. Anyhow, we shall see. So that's enough of the bar hearing. It sucked. It was a waste of time. Now, Dana Milbank is an opinion writer for the Washington Times, been around for a long, long time, a respected columnist. Uh, you recall that last week Trump said, I'm now going to go on at 5 o'clock every day, and I am going to talk about coronavirus myself uh, because it's killing him. <laughs> the disease is killing him. He's been wrong with everything he said. The disease is killing the man politically. So he went on last Tuesday. He started all alone. Wednesday, all alone. No Fauci, nobody else. Thursday, he had that woman, Dr. Gritz or whatever her name is. She sat on the side and said nothing. Then he disappeared. We didn't see him Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Now it's Tuesday. He was on again today, tonight. Uh... He thinks that he is going to salvage his administration by personally going on television doing these. They're now a half-hour clip. He reads. He asks, answers about six questions at the most, and he goes. He's done. And they've told him, you've got to cover your ass because you screw up every time you open your mouth. Uh, he's not helping himself. <laughs> he doesn't look good. 
He's the best thing that ever happened to Joe Biden. I, I love Joe Biden. I know him personally, terrific guy. And I got to say it, though. He's the best thing that ever happened to Joe Biden. This guy's such a screw-up. Uh, and he'll continue to screw up here. He will continue to screw up through the election, no matter what he throws at Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden's people will be ready with the comebacks, all right? I'm sure they got everything all planned, because anything bad, this guy will do. So the Democrats should be ready. Uh, so why do I talk about Dana Milbank's column? Uh, he called Trump's new show the Five o'clock follies. That's a nice term, the five o'clock follies. And I started thinking, I said, you know, that's right. After watching a couple of nights of it, this is a folly. This is a joke. Uh, this is like Newark, New Jersey, 50 years ago, where they still had vaudeville strip shows in Newark. Uh, I went to college in New York City. We used to drive over once a month to watch the shows in Newark. Uh, I was a bad boy, and so were all my friends, and we went to a Catholic college. Anyhow, uh, and all I could think of, there were a couple of things I thought of, five o'clock follies. You know what Trump needs to make his show perfect? He needs a tutu and a wig. He belongs in Key West. Yes, he belongs in Key West. I wanted the street corners. <laughs> you know, the, the drag queens come out at night to induce people to come in to watch the show. Tutu and a wig. Uh, <laughs> or I thought, and I'm serious about this now. <laughs> the other thing I thought about, you know, he reminds me of the Howdy Doody show. Uh, two things came to my mind at the same time that night. Uh, he could be Uncle Bob or Clarabelle. I would not insult Howdy Doody. Uh, but he could be Uncle Bob or Clarabelle. I'd like to say he reminds me of Clarabelle, but that would be go too far because he, he really doesn't. He reminds me of Uncle Bob, which I guess is all right. But that means he doesn't remind me of a president of the United States. That's what I guess I'm trying to say. Now, brings me to Canada. 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 These people are pretty cool up there. I, I had the opportunity, oof, I've been there in 20 years, but there was a period of time over a 10-year period where I, where I spent a lot of time in Canada, especially in Toronto. They are a different breed of people. I love the Canadian people. They are quiet. They are unassuming. They are gentlemen and ladies. It was just, they're a different breed. They're a different breed. Uh, I enjoyed them so much. And they're party people, but in a different way. I don't know how many parties I went to where you just danced in the kitchen or the living room, ate, drank, but it was all really friendly. We were all friends. I made a lot of friends up there. Anyhow, Canada has the coronavirus problem also. And the issue that I'm going to discuss with you is the issue Canada had to deal with. And every country that has coronavirus has to deal with. And it is having sex during the coronavirus crisis. What is safe sex? I'm already smiling and I'm half laughing. What is safe sex? Now, in Canada, our CDC is called the British Columbia Center for Disease Control, British Columbia Center for Disease Control. And 
on their website. Go look it up. British Columbia Center for Disease Control. They have a website. And a particular, it has to do with coronavirus. A particular section has to do with sex during the coronavirus pandemic. And how do you have safe sex? Well, they're very open about it. They, they pull no punches. Uh, the first thing they recommended was masturbation. Masturbation. Um, I thought that was pretty good. And uh, you do it alone, or male and female can do it together. Just make sure, I'm laughing already, but you have uh, social distancing, or you have that six feet between you. Look at each other, do it. This is the way they describe it, masturbation. Safe sex, no question about it. The other was, uh, the second one, there were three, three things they recommended. The second thing was virtual sex, virtual sex. That's, you watch television, and on Zoom or something, you have a friend who hooks up with you. The woman or the man, whoever your partner may be, is on a screen wherever they live. You're on a screen where you live. You're both naked. You're both talking dirty to each other, and you're both having sex at the same time. You're manipulating each other and talking dirty again to each other. And that's a safe way of having it. This is true. This is recommended in their website. And there's nothing wrong with it when you think about it. This is another safe way to have sex during the virus. Now, the third item blew my mind. I thought this was wild. And it's glory holes. Use glory holes. Now, for those of you who might not know what a glory hole is, there are adult bookstores in every community and you go in, you can buy sex toys, you can buy books, you can buy dirty movies, videos. And then they have a back room all the time where you go and you put some coins in or dollar bills in this little closet you go in. And you sit there and you put the money in the wall and you got a little TV set off to the side and it shows dirty movies. And you pick whatever your flavor is, whatever your kind of sex is, you pick it. And in the wall in front of you, is a little hole, three or four inches in circle. And the purpose there, this has generally been for men. Sometimes there are women in these places, I'm told. But uh, the man puts his penis in the hole. Now, he's got a total wall except for a three or four inch circular hole in the area of his penis if he's standing up. He puts his penis in the hole. Someone on the other side orally copulates him, okay? And they take turns. The other guy, or it's a woman, she doesn't have anything. The guy puts his penis through. Sometimes there's a woman on the other side. She's there, and she'll, she'll get up to that hole and bend over and see that she can have sex. And when you do that, no one's breathing on anyone. That's why it's safe. They really push glory holes, by the way. It's safe. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. It's safe from what they indicate. And I believe it would be. So it's masturbation, visual uh sex uh virtual sex rather and uh the uh glory hole now i said well if canada's got this the united states must have this too so i went and looked on the internet uh we there's a i forget the name of the organization but there's some national health organization and the cdc they have they don't have it as good as canada 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 lays it right out for you in their website the ones I found on the Internet for the two American organizations, 
uh, did not lay it out specifically, but it boiled down to this. Masturbation was number one again. Virtual sex was number two. As to, as to the glory hole, uh, there was no mention of it per se. One of the two organizations said, and then you can have a partition, if you want, between the two people with a hole in it. And I assume that was the glory hole. They didn't define, define it or explain it as well as Canada did. So that's that's the story. I find this amusing. But it, it's good that they speak of this because they both, both, all three websites said, you can't kiss and have sex anymore because you're breathing on each other. You, even if your husband and wife or bro- girlfriend, boyfriend, or boyfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, uh, not healthy to kiss. Uh, you have to have it uh, without kissing. You can't just can't be in an area where you're breathing on each other. Sort of makes sex difficult. So they recommend the masturbation, the other two things I mentioned. There was a comment following the Canadian uh, website, and it read as follows, quote, uh, you put Canada, because the person, by the way, the person who wrote this comment does not like the Canadian recommendations. Quote, you put Canada on the world stage, front and center, with your nutball agenda with your nutball agenda, and then in parentheses, no pun intended. Uh, somewhere along the line on the Canadian website came up the sentence, uh, the world is a whack place. And most of us understand that whack's another term for masturbation. The world is a whack place. It is, with or without coronavirus. Bringing me now to, I'm going to go from down and dirty sex to mothers. Mothers and grandmothers. The wall of moms in Portland, Oregon. The wall of moms in Portland, Oregon. You all know what I'm talking about. This thing's gotten so bad up there that mothers and grandmothers have joined the protests on the streets. They go in the evening when it's dark. They wear yellow T-shirts. They wear goggles, and they wear the sort of hat you wear on a bicycle, okay, when you're riding a bicycle, helmet, helmet. And uh, they wear yellow T-shirts, and they line up, locking arms in front of the Gestapo agents, Trump's people. And they stand there, and they oppose these people. They keep their line strong. Okay, and when, when, when these people, the Gestapo agents, start moving towards them, they yell, don't shoot your mother. Don't shoot your mother. Very apropos, okay? (laughs) Terrific. (laughs) And they also, if they're not doing that, there's another little lullaby they sing when the Gestapo's coming towards them, and it is, and I quote, hands up, and they throw their hands up, please don't shoot me. How can you shoot your mother and your grandmother? (laughs) It's obvious they're mothers and grandmothers. Look at them. Look at their bodies. But they're out there doing what they think is right, okay? Uh, The Rolling Stone magazine, last week, 
had an article. It's titled, Very Amusing, and I quote, follow me on this, my friends, from the administration that brought you kids in cages, it's tear, tear-gassed moms. Let me repeat it. From the administration that brought you kids in cages, it's tear-gassed moms. Terrific. Absolutely terrific. Um these ladies, by the way, they have brass testicles. The only way to describe it. They keep their arms locked. They try to keep their straight line. When they are attacked by these Gestapo agents from Washington, they absorb the blows from the batons. They take the tear gas, okay, from these federal agents. Someone who was witnessing uh, these, this wall of moms one night wrote, and I don't understand the first two words of, his, of what he said. Perhaps you can, but I'm going to read the whole thing. And he said, I quote, he was an observer. Jesus Federals, those are the two words I don't understand. Jesus Federals just came directly for the, for the Portland moms using batons and tear gas while carrying assault rifles. Came for the Portland moms using, using batons and tear gas while carrying assault rifles. These protests started in Washington, even before Washington, but they, they graduated to the major leagues big time with the Washington, D.C. protesters. And Pew Research Center, you know, they, they, they do, they predict who's going to win elections. They do all kinds of studies to tell you, you know, there's so many Democrats, so many Republicans, so many independents voting. That's the nature of their business. And they're considered probably the best in the United States. They came out with a report last week, a report about who the people are that are protesting in Portland, who the people are that are protesting in Portland, Oregon. And their report said, follow that. This is interesting. Only one in six Black Lives Matter protesters are black. Do you hear me? Only one in six Black Lives Matter Black Lives Matter, rather, protesters are black. The plurality is white people. They gave a percentage of the breakdown of the Black Lives Matter protesters who represent themselves as Black Lives Matter with their T-shirts and everything in Portland. Whites, 46%. Blacks, 17%. The numbers are right there. Whites, 46%. Blacks, 17%. Black Lives Matter. Hispanics, 22%. Asians, 7%. Okay. Talk about tear gas. Let me make it clear to you. The international world, the nations of the world, the educated, sophisticated nations of the world... Uh, for almost 100 years of totally screwed up tear gas by the Geneva Protocol of 1925. Geneva Protocol, 1925. Tear gas, the use of tear gas in war was prohibited. Now, we had to vote on it here in the United States because it's like an international treaty. And our United States Senate at that time said, we go for it. 
but they added something. They had an addendum on the, the our Senate said, okay, it does not apply to riot control agents. In other words, if we have a riot control in the streets of our country, we can send our people in and they can use tear gas. doesn't sound right to me. can't use it in war because it's dangerous, but you can use it on your own citizens. Now, let's come to 1997. The, the 1925 protocol really failed because it described the gases as, and I quote, prohibited the use of asphyxiating gas or any other kind of gas, liquid substances, or similar uh, materials. It did not say tear gas, this kind of gas, that. It wasn't specific, so it was confusing to everyone. So in 1997, the world came up with another uh, set of rules, uh, and it was a new protocol. It was a Geneva Convention protocol, and the 1997 one was better because it said tear gas is no good. You can't use tear gas in war, plus many other things. But specifically said no tear gas. Well, came to the United States Senate, and they did the same thing again. They said we don't want to use it in war, but it's okay for you, us to use it by our police if there is a civil riot in the United States. And it passed overwhelmingly uh, in the Senate. Twenty-nine Republicans and 45 Democrats voted for it. Now, interesting, January 1st, January 25th, rather, 1997, the New York Times ran an article stating Specifically, who are the Republican senators voting for it and against it? Who are the Democratic senators voting for and against it? The Republicans, certain of the Republicans I'm going to name here, those names that you would be familiar with, some are now dead, no longer senators, are still sitting in the Senate. Collins, McCain, McConnell, Murawski, Specter, and Warner for the Republicans. For the Democrats who voted, yes. Biden, note that. Joe Biden, any you know, it's going to come up at some point, and he has to stand it. Uh, he voted for, okay, no problem with tear gas and war, but after all, if we have a problem in the streets of this country, we can use tear gas against protesters. A bum move, a bad move on his part, but who knew 23 years ago it would become an issue today. And then there's Dashiell, Dodd, Durbin, Glenn, Inoue, Kennedy, Kerry, Moynihan, Rockefeller, and Wyden. Now, Wyden's the man I want to talk about. When he voted, and even today, he is still senator from Oregon. And Portland is in the state of Oregon. Now, he's against today the use of tear gas against civilians, okay, in the United States. Isn't it amazing? It hasn't come up yet in the public eye. I picked this up by going back to the newspaper article in 1997 by the New York Times. He voted for the use of it in a civil situation. And right now, last week, he was saying to the world, I want the federal thugs, he calls them, out of Portland. Oregon has been invaded. And he said he complained of tear gas, the very thing he approved for civil rights in the United States when he voted to use it also. It was okay. It was not okay in a war but it was okay in his own country. All right, where are we now? I know my time is running out. Let's talk about 
Trump's cognitive test. What a terrific thing is cognitive test. Let me tell you, I'm an old man. I'm 85. I've been taking a cognitive test every year for 15 years as part of my annual physical. Uh, a five-year-old could pass it. <laughs> okay? I'm, maybe I'm being dramatic. A 10-year-old, definitely. Uh, I know what an elephant looks like. I know what a snake looks like. I can identify the three animals. Good. God bless you, Donald. And he says the last few few questions are very bad. Well, I don't know. The last three questions, you know what they were? <laughs> what day of the week is this? What's today's date? That's it. What's the year? What's two, What day of the week is this? What's today's date? Donald, I'm proud of you that you could answer those three questions. Well, my friends, that's the show for tonight. I have so much material. I'm thinking of expanding the show uh, to at least an hour. I never get through everything I've got. I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. I, I hope you found interesting some of the points I presented. I love doing the show. My numbers keep going up every week. Keep coming back. Bring your friends back. This is terrific. I love it. Uh, and I look forward to being with you again next week. Enjoy yourself between now and then. And please, wear your mask, social distance, wash your hands. Good night.